0: Welcome to the About Sex Podcast. I'm Joshua Skirtu, and with me, as always, is our resident sex therapist, Angela Skirtu. Hi. Uh, and Hi. (laughs) And with us today is David Wraith. He is a self-described street-walking cheetah with a heart full of napalm. He's the (laughs) do-you guru and the hardest-working man in ho business. He's co-founder of Sex Positive St. Louis and the HNIC at Planet Wraith. Good to see you.
1: Hello. Um, real quick, I am i don't think I'm currently the hardest working man in whole business. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I had Is kinda, that an official certification? It's self-appointed. It's a self-appointed um, <laughs> title. I had to kind of take a bit of a sabbatical. Um, shout out to my man, uh, Kevin Patterson in Philadelphia from uh, Poly Role Models. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think he's the current title holder. He's, he's, he's holding holder. me down from Philly. Yeah, <laughs> he he got Thank your back. You? Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
0: what is what does that mean? The hardest working man in whole business.
1: Um. Well, I mean, hardest working man in whole business kind of started as a joke. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. And then I. Because I've been I've been claiming that since before I actually did any sex work, <laughs> um,
0: and then it became kind of
1: like a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, mm, yeah. You it, are what you it, call it yourself out. Like it. Yeah. Exactly. So What's you do it? you do Kurt sex Vonnegut work. Said you you are what you pretend to be.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually
2: you become that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds
0: good. Okay, um, and you also say you have a planet full of or a heart full of napalm. Does that mean you get heartburn? Because I get terrible <laughs> acid <laughs> reflux. I'm just curious about that. What does that mean to you?
1: Uh. Uh, that's a that's a quote from uh, Iggy Pop it's yeah. kind of like um my like I I kind of want to be the Iggy Pop of whatever I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so st- again like street walking again pre-sex work mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. a title I gave myself. But yeah, streetwalking cheetah with a heart full of napalm. It's just kind of I want to bring that that level of intensity to what I do. Yeah, I
0: see,
2: like passion. You're Yo,
1: really passionate passion about your me. work. Yeah. yeah, and and it's it's a good pattern interrupt. It's on my business card. It is. So <laughs> yeah. you know when you hand someone a business card that says you're a streetwalking cheetah with a heart yeah. full of napalm, they're kind of like, oh, oh, yeah. that's interesting. It's, it's definitely yeah. an eye catcher. Yeah. There it definitely <laughs> caught my attention. What does the do you guru mean? <laughs> do you guru? Okay, so. um I struggle with the concept of enlightened Mm -hmm. Uh, self-interest. There aren't... Well, there, there are now... When I first sort of got into, like, sex positivity and the movement... I didn't have a lot of male role models. Mm-hmm. All my role models were women. Yeah. Um and
2: I think you're not alone with that. A lot of men feel like they don't have a lot of good male role
1: models. Well, I mean <laughs> and, and we're out there now. Like now mm-hmm. I see, you know, people like Kevin Patterson, Reed Mahalco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I first got interested in this topic, mm-hmm. you know, my role models were people like Susie Bright, Carol Queen, yeah. Betty mm-hmm. Dodson, Annie Sprinkle, um, you know, later uh, Tristan Tormino. And um a lot of the men that I saw, the, the few men that I saw doing the type of work that I was doing, I felt like a lot of them were doing it for the wrong reasons, like they weren't coming from a genuine what place. What were the wrong well, reasons? Well,
2: yeah, what's the difference between a right or a wrong reason? Well, you
1: think? I feel like if you're... If Are you you're, talking about sex work? Yeah, not or, not, or more s- of the sex. not sex work, but more like sex positivity, sex right. education. Sex education. Yeah. They it. were they were doing it to get laid, yeah, and they were doing mm. it to. So ag- it's like
0: that one guitar guy on campus with the guitar, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, you know, he only learns four cards, yeah.
1: and then he plays a little bit so he can. And get it's, laid. And, That's it's cause, it. and it's because chicks dig it, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so they were doing it to get laid, and they were doing it to sort of aggrandize themselves. Mm. You know, some of them were you know in it for the money. Some of them were in it to um, meet women, Yeah. and. Or just to be popular, yeah, yeah, and to you know to be famous. And Correct. for me, I'm I'm tempted by all those things. Like sure. I'm not made out of wood. Yeah. Like, You're human. I like money. <laughs> You're I like happy to be like women. amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I like I adoration. like both of those things too. Yeah. Yeah. But I also want to put the community first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, but I struggle with: Am I doing this for the right reason? And so, by the Do You Guru, it's like. I, I am genuinely interested in people's sexual health, right. sexual, mm-hmm. mental, and emotional health. Yeah. But at the same time, like I will have sex with you. Like, <laughs> High you five know. right there. Top, I love that your you know. eye contact so, right <laughs> there with me when you said that. So That will be fun too. But
2: it's a bonus on the side. It's yeah, not the point. It's,
1: it's, secondary. <laughs> it's secondary. It's secondary. It's oh, a positive, everybody likes sex. It's everybody a positive like sex, side everybody,
0: everybody likes
2: money. Everybody yeah. Yeah. likes to be popular. That's and the that thing about yeah,
0: sex, being sex positive is... Everybody has sex. Everybody, in general, even teenagers. A lot of people don't like to admit that. But well, every- I, mean,
2: I mean, I feel like I'm the same way. You know, I'm a sex therapist. Obviously, I want to make money. But even why we do this is that that purpose. This is a free education source that we get to put out every week. And so I totally get that. Like you sure i want to make your money please pay me yeah, <laughs> no doubt,
1: no doubt. yeah.
2: i also just want to help people learn about sex yeah, that makes exactly. total sense oh i get nothing out of this at <laughs> he gets all. nothing out of it <laughs> other than all. joking and meeting cool i just people. like to have fun <laughs> and meet new people yeah
0: and sex education that's it yeah that's cool that's interesting so why don't you tell me a little bit about sex positive st
1: louis like how is it founded what are its goals
0: yeah like, um
1: so I like to say, I, we have an official mission statement that I have not memorized in seven years. Yeah. <laughs> um, so by all means, go to you know sexstl.com, click yep. on about, you can read the official mission statement. I like to say that our goal is to empower people to mm-hmm. be their authentic sexual selves. Um, we are an adult uh, sex education and social group. And we started in 2010 we were founded by a woman named Anna bent mm-hmm. and she recruited uh, Kendra holiday. Kendra recruited me. I believe Anna also recruited uh, Jared Rourke, who at the time was going by Johnny Murdoch. He's the publisher of <clears throat> a queer press. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, you know, Anna was sort of the intellectual. She's the academic of the group. Yeah. Um, Jared, he was, you know, Very into uh, queer publishing, queer arts, uh, publishing zines and books, and other uh, queer uh, writers. Yeah, Kendra had the beautiful kind. Mm -hmm. uh, Her platform. I eventually. Yeah, we've had Kendra on the show. She actually referred you to. Yeah, she's how I heard about the show. She was Mm -hmm. awesome. And then I had my. I was you know doing. Excuse me. I was doing like political stuff and spoken word, and then I eventually started Planet Wraith. So we all kind of had our own. It was four people with. You know, different strengths and different mm-hmm. backgrounds and different audiences. Right.
0: Well, what brought you together? What well, was the main, it was about making sex something. Well, all of us education? were involved
1: in, in sex education in different mm-hmm. ways yeah. or okay. in sex positivity in different ways. Right. And between the four of us, we were black and white straight, gay, bisexual, monogamous, polyamorous. Mm-hmm. So we covered just between the four people. We covered a lot of demographics and we yeah. also had, you know, four different audiences and four different right. skill sets. That's interesting. Right.
2: Oh, wow, that's cool. That's cool. And then it grew from there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it grew, it grew. I mean, it's, you know, it started with the four of us and we had this sort of sex positive summit where we invited different leaders in the community to all get together. So, you know, maybe like 15 people. Yeah. And then we had our first event and i think we had like 100 people or something crazy like we packed this coffee house oh wow Wow. um so it just kind of exploded and we grew really steadily for like maybe a year or two i forget how long and then we started a meetup.com page and once we were on meetup we Mm -hmm. just it really exploded yeah it really got really huge i think we're like the fifth if you look up polyamory groups on meetup.com I think we're like the fifth or sixth largest in the country you're on the front page yeah
0: that's
2: cool yeah oh cool you mentioned something about planet rape
1: no, In-
0: Wraith. Oh, Wraith. No, <laughs> no. Oh, that's that's an entire well, was, different website.
2: Okay, okay. No, I was wondering if different it was like planet. a rape advocacy. No, no, but, no, oh, no Okay, no. I didn't know it was Planet
0: Wraith. Planet
1: Wraith. I'm I so totally sorry. Screwed that
0: one up. Sorry, guys. Yeah, we didn't expect that so at what's all. what's Planet
1: Wraith? Wraith with wow. the th. Yeah. Um, so, so Planet Wraith is kind of my personal brand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. It's an apologies to my good friend, uh, sex educator uh, Midori, because she has Planet Midori. Um. And I think it was like subconscious. Like I didn't realize I was ripping off her branding until like way after I had established it. Yeah. Um, so. I'm sure she doesn't mind. She's, <laughs> I've, I've apologized to her yeah. personally. She's good with it. She's okay. Um, She'll I'm, allow it. <laughs> I'm very kind of uh, self-centered. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so you're human yeah and so kind of the idea of calling my my brand Planet Wraith is like yeah I need my own planet yeah it's, it's all about me like it's everything's your space filtered th- through my experience yeah so it's my website my blog it's some of my social media platforms when I try to separate myself on social media between you know David Wraith mm-hmm. where I do a lot of personal stuff and keep mm-hmm. in contact with my friends and my sort of public persona, where it's like you know anyone can join, anyone can follow it, and you know pla- what one of the things that happened. Are you able to do that? You keep them separate. I well, I mean, it's it's not, she does not. It's it's, <laughs> it's not about keeping it separate for privacy reasons. Mm-hmm. It's just about keeping it separate for reasons of organization. Mm-hmm. What happened to me um, when when Black Lives Matter kind of started in in, in 2014 in, in St. Louis? um, I spent a lot of time talking about like race and politics mm-hmm. and social mm-hmm. issues like that. And I kept saying, God, I wish I could just go back to just talking about sex all the time. Yeah. And that never mm-hmm. happened. Nope. So it's like, it never okay. Does. Yeah. Once you if, open the door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> you if, get passionate about different things at different times. Yeah. So it's like, if people want to follow me and just, just to know about like polyamory or body image mm-hmm. or nudism or BDSM, they can mm-hmm. follow planet Wraith. Right. And then if they want to follow, like, me in totality and hear all of my opinions that are going to, that they'll either agree with or be very offended by and pissed off by, <laughs> they can follow David Wraith. Either way, they'll have passion. So either
2: way, it really is for both, but yeah. it's where you say certain things yeah. and where you don't say other things. It's
1: kind of, you know, pick, choose your own adventure.
2: <laughs> I have some questions about body image, um, because I know you said you, yeah, do, you do some work with that. For body so, image? like, um, what work do you do with body image?
1: You work with men,
0: women, both?
1: Um... I work with anybody. Anybody. Um, yeah. In in you know private. Well, I do I do coaching, mm-hmm. so people can come to me about a, a variety of topics. I kind of specialize in body image, polyamorous relationships, BDSM. And then I do my workshop "Bears You Dare," which I take around the U.S. and Canada. Yeah, and well, that's it "Bears You Dare." Bear, bear as you dare. Bear, bear as, you as you dare. dare. So, mm-hmm. um, and that is a clothing optional body image workshop. Oh. Uh, oh. I teach it completely nude. Wow. Um, <laughs> when whenever like legally allowed. Allowed. You yeah, know, yeah. I,
0: like you wrote on here that you did. A workshop at Dartmouth, completely yeah, naked. Yeah, Dartmouth
1: College. That was awesome. It, it was a lot of emailing <laughs> yeah. back and forth, <laughs> and it was a Is lot nudity of nudity. Okay, are you <laughs> are you guys sure about this? Like That's I like funny. I thought
0: it was you're supposed to imagine the audience nude, <laughs> so that you're not nervous on stage. But I like your idea. Just so be
1: fully nude, and then you'll be set. Sometimes yeah. I don't have to imagine. <laughs> you don't have to imagine. You got it. Yeah, yeah. Because I had I had been doing bears you dare mostly at BDSM conferences. Right. And so it's a wide range of ages. It's people that have been in the BDSM scene a lot of times for several years. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of used to that. And when I got invited to teach it at Dartmouth for um, IVQ, which is the it's the annual conference of um, Ivy League uh, gay and lesbian uh, student unions. Mm hmm. I was thinking to myself, okay. Number one, are they going to let me do this? Yeah. yeah, you know, at an Ivy League, you know, university. <laughs> <laughs> um, Apparently, they did. And again, yeah, lots of lots of emailing because I was like, you guys, I need to know because I'm about to, you know get on yeah. a plane. You yeah. yeah. so <laughs> need to make sure you're not. doing I don't want to go illegal. to jail. This is yeah. a very
2: dangerous thing. So, yeah. once, no children. Once I
1: got permission from the the college to do it, my concern was, okay, I'm used to doing this for sort of hardcore BDSM audiences right. with again wide varied wide variety of ages. Am I going to be you know? 40 the 40 year old man standing naked in front of a bunch of privileged 18 to 22 year olds who are fully oh, yeah, clothed right just staring at me like i'm like i'm you know not right right and these college kids could not wait to take off their clothes oh that's of each awesome other. oh like, my god i had the most the highest level of adoption of the clothing optional uh rules at oh, wow. like I was wow. basically staring at seventy naked uh, college students. <laughs> and one of the things should have invited do... me. Uh, I would have liked to see that. I'm like naked college well, I, was, kids. I was inviting yeah. like the, the, the IT guy and the staff. Like you yeah, guys. Yeah, you in. Yeah. And yeah. one Funny. of my one of my inspirations as a public speaker and an educator is uh, Vanessa Van Edwards from Science of People. Mm-hmm. She just she's the author of the book Captivate. And oh. one of the things she does is she will throw chocolate. At people in her audience when they ask questions or make comments, it's, it's right like, in their face. It's like their yeah. participation grade. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, so and cute. I I do that in all my workshops. And one of the ways you participate in Bears You Dare is to take your clothes off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've started like throwing chocolate to people when they take their <laughs> clothes off. And <laughs> when I did it at Dartmouth, it's like, okay, I am now officially the old man who gives young people chocolate Candy
0: to <laughs> take their clothes off in exchange to take their clothes off. Just don't bring a me. van that's and a puppy,
1: right. and I think <laughs> you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't that's bring not a, awkward. Don't Bring a windowless van. Yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's fine. They did it. Up. It was consensual. It's it consensual. was consensual. Everybody <laughs>
1: yeah. was over eighteen. Right. Yeah. Unless, exactly. Unless there was like you know a Doogie houser in the crowd or something. Right. Something, yeah. Like child genius. <laughs>
2: I am curious, um, along with this body image stuff, have you ever struggled with body image yourself?
1: I am struggling with body image right now. <laughs> oh, tell today. us all about it. Yeah. Which, by the way, everybody, I
2: think, struggles a little bit, but this was, you know, huh. I'm curious about your journey.
1: So, so like, this coming um, Monday, Sex Pause, I mean, I'm not expecting this podcast to air, so I'm not trying to, like, plug, but mm-hmm. this coming Monday we have a happy hour at Social House, mm-hmm. and, you know, Social House is where the waitresses are, are topless, oh. or, or top free as I, th- top I, I think in the com- <laughs> top freedom i think in the commercial realm it's still topless, topless. i think if you're doing yeah. it for yourself it's top free but if you're doing it as your job it's topless yeah. so the waitresses are topless and they're and they're body painted <laughs> and so we thought oh, cool. oh, oh that's cool it would be cool that's if exciting. we as the leadership of sex positive st louis hosted the event topless with body paint yeah and here i am the guy that goes around the united states and canada teaching people about body image and i'm looking at myself in the mirror like okay do i want to be topless and body painted at you know an event <laughs> in a public place with 100 people so yeah i struggle with body image to this to this day and yeah. i and i think that in a way sometimes i feel hypocritical mm-hmm. but i think in a way it's good that this is something that i struggle with myself because, mm-hmm. again, I, I call myself the do you guru, mm-hmm. but really I'm I'm more of like the do you Sherpa. Like I <laughs> I try to s- not position myself in the mountains as the guru, like mm-hmm. from the mountaintop, you know, mm-hmm. dispensing wisdom on my disciples. Right, And it's more like I'm still on this journey myself, yeah. but mm-hmm. I'm probably a little further than you. And I can sort of show you how I got to this point. Right.
2: yeah, I think people can really learn from each other's struggles. That's why we really like having people come on, because you know I, th- I think everybody deals with body image issues i think uh people struggle in their relationships and so we're all in a, w- a work in progress really oh you know? yeah you know and then we die and then we die <laughs> and it's like what well what how we much now? progress
1: did we get <laughs> it's yeah. also a really good excuse not to go to the gym like yeah. <laughs> well if i have like six-pack abs how is that going to affect my career as a body image okay. advocate so oh it's I'm, better to eat the pizza then yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to the gym for work. Yeah. I'm, I'm like the opposite of like Chris Hemsworth or something. Yeah, you're going there to be healthy. That's it. Yeah.
0: Okay.
2: Uh, let me ask. Yeah, You've got some questions too, I hear.
1: <laughs> what do you see sex positivity in general? What does that mean to you? Okay. So the way that I discovered the sex positive movement and sex positivity is that growing up, I felt like in society there's this correlation between sexuality and criminality hmm. like cool. you know yep. beyond a certain level beyond a certain sort of mainstream acceptable interest in sex mm-hmm. you might as well be you know a criminal yeah you or know? like offender or something yeah, like even yeah. be- even before like you know actual sex work and doing things that mm-hmm. are illegal you know it's okay to be into monogamy and the missionary position Mm -hmm. and you know you can be you can be into porn a little bit but if you're into some really weird if you're into bdsm or exhibitionism you're you're a pervert you're a degenerate you're Mm -hmm. you'll you'll harm children you're basically a criminal
2: and it's worse for men than women by the way oh yeah Um, i
1: i think that argument can can go yeah i I think i I actually have an example what proves this this is if
0: a girl gets handsy with me and i don't want her to i'm like hey back off and they're grabbing on me most of the time, that's the end of it. A guy does that to somebody in public, to a, a woman female. in public. That's going to be a problem. Like people will be mm-hmm. like kicking them out of the place. Like, Which there is a little bit of a double standard. Like, and people always and get handsy boundaries. with me. It does happen. I don't <laughs> know why. But, but I think I think there's
1: a reason for that. I think that when a woman and I'm not condoning this because I've yeah, no. I've and I I don't give the hot girl discount. Like mm. I don't care how attractive a woman is. I don't care how sexy she is. Women who violate my consent, they, mm-hmm. they reap the whirlwind. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I
2: still think that's offending. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. Somebody but doesn't consent. I think
1: that there's a difference between like punching up and punching down. Like we are more acceptable of women <laughs> taking liberties with men because men have the power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas and we have a whole system of power behind us that helps us oppress women. Right. That women <laughs> don't have. Like when a woman, you know, violates my consent or is inappropriate with me. It's annoying to me and it's offensive to me, mm-hmm. but it's not scary or dangerous yeah. in the same way that it is when a man does it. Because a mm-hmm. woman
2: might think, am I going to get raped? Am I safe? I'm exactly. scared.
0: Well, I actually have a, had a friend who was raped by a woman. So it, it does happen the it other
1: way. I mean, too. it happens, but like, let's, let's, let's keep it funky. Yeah. Like numbers. Yeah. Numbers. Yeah. <laughs> <know, laughs> yes. I, agree. you know, there are always I outliers. But yeah, I know there are. True.
2: There's always outliers. Well, We're talking about the bell curve. Well, like I was, I was <laughs> having <laughs>
1: a conversation with, with Hugo Swiser and, and you know, Who's he? he's, he's um, a college professor on the, on the West coast. I think he's sort of most famous in the mainstream for co-authoring a book with, um, Carrie Otis the uh, uh, model and uh, actress and he's you know Hugo I love you but you're problematic and you know that um, <laughs> and i so I'm you know I don't I I'm sort of hesitant to associate myself with him too much because I, I don't want like the feminist to come for me because I mentioned his name Okay. but I was having a conversation with him this is a few years ago I think this is when I was working on Slut Walk and uh he, you do a lot of interesting i do some work. things I, yeah. I, I, I i i put my <laughs> thing down we'll have to come back around we'll to slut walk i put my note. i put my thing down yeah um you pull it out and we were talking <laughs> about how like i got i got death threats when i was organizing slut walk and oh. hugo and i were talking about the fact that he and i get death threats yeah but she's had one we <laughs> go on but we never get rape threats yeah and Huh. I think that for me I think a woman for a woman getting a rape that I think is scarier than getting yeah, a death threat because murder because is un- unfortunately finite. common but also somewhat rare compared to sexual assault. Mm-hmm. I think sexual assault is a much more real threat right. because yeah. it happens so much. And just and, from
2: the woman perspective I think I'd rather die than to live with that. <laughs> I mean I know it sounds crazy but, <laughs> but yeah, like you have to I mean, live with that emotional trauma. How, how really many time.
1: how many women do you know who've been sexually assaulted? Oh my um, god, so many. Against how many people you know who've been murdered. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it's one's just it's way more much common. Higher. And we were I more. don't know a lot of people who've been murdered. I know I know a ton of he knows people who sexually but assaulted. Like,
2: let's not get into semantics, Josh. Yeah.
0: Semantics I think I I think I know
1: <laughs> two who have and I've known one who have been murdered. So But <laughs> So we were talking about how as men we get threats of like physical violence or whatever, but we don't mm-hmm. get threats of sexual violence. And right. if we were women doing the exact same work like the rape threats would be coming fast and furious. And scary. a woman said, hey, guys, if you want me to rape, you just ask. And this was on Twitter. And uh, I kind of uh, ignored whoa. it. And he kind of ignored it. And well, then another kind of a joke, I believe, but a really, yeah. really bad joke. And so there was a, a man who interjected. and He's like, are you know, are we going to address the fact that this woman just made a rape threat against you? And, oh it was a woman okay oh uh, yeah it was a woman who made the rape threat against us. That's true. and both hugo and i kind of you know i i said look you know as a man in the society i know that was a joke i know it was a joke in poor mm-hmm. taste but i don't feel unsafe right for her yeah. making that joke mm-hmm. and then we got on the topic of like rape jokes and are they is it ever appropriate mm-hmm. and something that hugo said that i kind of take with me is that Rape jokes are appropriate if they're making fun of rape culture, if they're right. like dismantling rape culture, yeah. except, but obviously not funny or appropriate when they're enforcing it. Or right. encouraging so, it. Yeah. Right. So again, I think that- I don't think
0: many comedians actually, like, I'm not talking about the internet. I'm talking about like comedians will actually do jokes about rape that are encouraging it. I think um, most of the time-
1: Surprising number will. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, like,
0: I like Tosh. And I think he does he does rape jokes and they are dark- but no. he
2: also explains that this but, is not acceptable. And He's I, problematic. Well, I actually yeah. got to
0: see uh, um, Jim Jeffries actually live here, and he has a set on rape, and he, he always starts it out by saying, I, first of all, do not condone rape. Just want to make that clear. It is a terrible thing. You know, and then he goes into the jokes. I think that's a, <laughs> I think that's a little bit. then he goes into the jokes. Then he joke. goes into the rape <laughs> jokes, because it, it, it's hard to laugh at trauma, but actually the funniest things are traumatic. Somebody falls down and slips and hits their head. Oh we laugh that's what well, AFV is all about. In
1: my experience the the best rape jokes are told by rape survivors. Yeah. Really? And huh. I'm not going to tell anyone who has survived rape that mm-hmm. they can't interpret their own experience the way they want to. Right. But but again also it's that thing of punching up versus punching down. Right. Like, mm-hmm. You know I feel like if you're in power, if you're white, if you're cisgender, if you're heterosexual, if you're male you can you can take you can take more and feel safe than someone who is marginalized. Yeah, and and yeah. I say that, and when I talk about no, I agree like with you hundred percent. Privilege people always jump to race because I'm black, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I'm also heterosexual, cisgender, and male. So mm-hmm. I have you know I hit three of the four right. on mm-hmm. the lottery. So I know about privilege. You you can't tell me it's not a thing because oh, yeah. I have a lot of it. I just oh, don't yeah. have white privilege. Yeah, I
2: think that's how people. Um, like I think developing an awareness of your privilege is a way of being a better person because mm-hmm. when you have this awareness, then you can be a little bit more careful and cautious about certain things. Whereas people who are like, "Oh no, that's not that's not the case," right? And they like kind of, I guess, downplay it. I feel like that's a little bit more dangerous of an area, you know. Like the people that I know that really do try to like take ownership for the fact that they have that position tend to make better decisions. Oh yeah, I I agree. and they
0: can be more compassionate if yeah, they understand how much of a better position they're in. You know? Yeah, like
2: actually I have an interesting story on this if you guys are open to sure. it. So I we had like um, I had a couple, um, I've had many couples where there were lawyers involved. I'm going to make this very broad because I'm not allowed to talk about anybody in particular. Sure, of but course. like I remember that, you know, um, there were there were some power dynamics going on because he had access to the legal system that she doesn't. Oh, yeah. And what's interesting is I enc- I always encourage my lawyers to kind of take the lawyer hat off because and to acknowledge that there that is a place of power and when they are able to do that, you, God, you you would not believe how like empowering that is for their female partners because right. they'll, they'll they'll and they'll say to me thank you because it feels like he kind of uses that stuff against mm-hmm. me. Yeah. But when he is aware of it, takes ownership and like consciously puts it behind him to just talk to his wife. I mm-hmm. mean, God, you, oh, you yeah. don't even know how different that is in the room.
0: Yeah, I same thing with if you're married to a therapist. Oh yes. <laughs> Is she is I not allowed? I have as well. I say you're not allowed to th-rape me, <laughs> because that's what I call it. It's well, therapy it feels that way. Because her it's a her violation. website is actually therapist in St. Louis. It can also be read as the rapist in St. Louis. And she did. <laughs> I've had somebody call
2: me call in the middle of the
0: night saying the
2: rapist <laughs> St. Louis. It was a drunk dial. It was a drunk dial, a but I get all kinds message, of weird right? calls. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, well, first, I mean, just as an aside, shout out for taking that URL away from mm-hmm. the person who would actually want to be known as the rapist in <laughs> st louis. Yeah. com. i don't know many people know that want wants that wants to be
2: known as that but maybe you never know
1: <laughs> it's just the biggest search term that's why
0: i chose the url it's yeah. fi- uh, find a therapist in st louis you know mm-hmm. therapist in st louis that's it yeah
2: right. well do uh, you have another question why don't you go oh, i got a million okay. questions uh, we've we'll got a bunch out so <laughs> you
0: you say you're an expert on bdsm what does that mean like how, are, how does
2: one us. become an expert? Did I did I,
1: did I say I was an
2: oh, expert? Oh
0: well, I BDSM? ask any topics that you're considered an expert expert in, okay. or have yeah. a lot of experience or passion. <laughs> okay. that you might, I don't know might if you can discuss. get expert status, let's, but maybe you let's can. Let's just be clear:
1: like I don't <laughs> claim to be an expert. <laughs> no, that was BS. my question, but it's a it's a topic that I you like, have a lot you of enjoy experience. talking it's, about. Yeah, I've been in in the BDSM community for more than twenty years, pretty much my mm-hmm. entire adult life. And so so I have a lot of experience mostly as a as a bottom or a submissive. Mm-hmm. um but so how does one become an expert i guess for me it's just you know uh hours logged in yeah <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you logged plenty <laughs> 20, <laughs> 20 years time time served yeah and i knew i was into bdsm for longer than that just mm-hmm. you know legally <laughs> yeah <laughs> i could engage like <laughs> yeah. the first dominatrix i ever saw literally carded me and was like yeah kid come back when you're 21 oh wow and i did
0: <laughs> yeah interesting thank you for the invite so, so you say the bdsm community what is what is the community made up of? Like I'm not sure Well I mean I don't when know I s
1: when I say BDSM community, um I mean there is it's it's like any other community. It's a mm-hmm. group of people who have gathered together around, you know, common cause. Mm-hmm. And for the you know, the community they get together for things called munches, which is sort of like in a vanilla public space where they can just get to know who the BDSM community is, you know, not necessarily at... Getting whipped on day one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Remember, there
2: has to be (laughs) consent exchanged at some point. And also, so the
1: BDSM community can know them in, like, a neutral space Mm -hmm. before you, you know, get invited to the private dungeon parties. Or or the public dungeon parties, and then you go public dungeon dungeon parties. Semi-public versus private. There's some sort of naughty
2: gras that does a public one, but I heard they Took out the dungeon this year because there were some pictures taken that were non-consensual oh, that's not by good. the media. That's not good. Well, <laughs> that's the thing.
0: If you're at some, a public event, you may get your photo taken, and everybody has a smartphone. Yeah, but don't you have
2: yeah, to sign off for it's your against, image?
1: It's against the rules. Oh, if it's against oh, their rules, oh, they already then say that, it up front that yeah, it's against the but rules. Are, but you know, people are always gonna you know buck the system. But yeah, yeah. the, okay. the con- huh. Conventionally, at any type of BDSM event, you know, cell phones are not allowed. That's good. Or oh. or they'll give you like tape to cover the lens of your Mm -hmm. cell phone camera. You know, cameras are not allowed unless it's specifically... Usually, they'll have, like, a wristband you can wear Mm -hmm. if you're okay about having your picture taken. I see. They'll have, like, one or two approved photographers. Mm -hmm. And then if, you know, they you know or editing their photos and they see someone without a wristband they'll edit them out or what what have you that's good that's interesting interesting.
2: well that's that's a great way to protect people too because i mean you got to understand nudity some people at an event like this want to be open but like they don't want to lose their job or (laughs) get in trouble you know
0: so you mentioned dungeon party yes Um, (laughs) tell us what happens at a dungeon party um well private or public well i mean
1: typically you'll have like a period of just you know socialization people hanging out talking what have you a lot of times they'll have like an educational event Mm -hmm. before the party starts proper because you know you can't take you know flogging at washington university yet Uh, Um, (laughs) so and you know just an
2: idea thrown (laughs) out there
1: (laughs) you can read books about this stuff but Well, actually, I actually was part of an Impact Play demo at Washington University, but that's (laughs) another story. You know, you can read books about this stuff, but, you know, reading a book about, you know, a physical activity, you're never going to really learn it. Right. So Mm. part of the way that these things are passed on is through, like, one-on-one education or peer education. So a lot of times you'll have, like, a flogging (laughs) demo or a caning demo or some type of little mini BDSM workshop, and you'll have, like, socialization, and then you'll have you know, uh, a spanking bench and a St. Andrew's Cross and different little stations or hard points for- St. Andrew's cross. Oh, uh, St. Andrew's cross. It's a. It's like a vertical X. Uh-huh. And, oh, okay. And you know, the tops oh. of the X, you attach your yeah, wrists to, it, and the yeah. bottoms, you attach your ankles to, and then mm. you're restrained and beaten. Wow. Uh. <laughs> uh, Consensually. <Consentually. laughs> Consensually, because they yeah. like it. Yeah. All, That's always consensual. And they do you yeah, guys use safe
0: words as a part of that? Um. Yes.
1: Usually, yeah. you know, it's it's you know heavily encouraged, if not required, to use a safe word. You know, especially when you're playing in public, because yeah. you know there's. If you're like an edge player, like if you're really into some hardcore stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, you you know yourself, you know, your partner, your partner knows you. You can do things in private that might be disturbing in a public place where, you Mm -hmm. know, the people throwing the party or the owners of the space have some type of liability. So typically when you play in public, it's, you know, required that you use a safe word. They have people called dungeon monitors who might Mm -hmm. check in with Mm -hmm. you if they think something you're doing. Make sure nobody's passed out. safe. Bleeding on the floor. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Interesting.
2: Interesting. Okay. So well, so could you tell us some wild stories from your travels? <laughs> what's wild, a unique story? Wild stories from my <laughs> travels. Yeah,
0: because um, you
1: travel uh, yeah. a tra- tra- lot. I travel. Some? a decent amount. Yeah. Um, I I was teaching. I I tell the story in my Poly One Hundred and One class. Um, I was teaching Polyamory One Hundred and One in Providence, Rhode Island, mm-hmm. and a gentleman asked, uh, "What's your advice for someone who's new to polyamory?" And is dating someone who's been polyamorous for quite some time. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I would say, you know, take it very slow. Err on the side of caution. You know, you can always renegotiate the things Mm -hmm. you've consented to, you know, basically check in with yourself and take care of yourself. So later that day, I had a a date with a friend of mine. And she gets me, you know, naked, tied up. She's beating me. She's like straddling me on the bed in my hotel room. She's, you know, beating me up. And she Uh says yeah, it would be really nice to have sex with you right now, but someone told my boyfriend to err on the side of caution and to take it slow and that consent can be renegotiated. <laughs> oh, and no! I wonder who that was. He didn't know. <laughs> and she's, like, punching me and, like, <laughs> in between punches. She's, like, tell <laughs> tell my boyfriend that I can play with other penises. And I'm oh, tied up and rolling with the punches. And I'm, to my, and I'm saying to her, like, uh, that would compromise my professional integrity. <laughs> that's great. So again, enlightened self-interest. You can trust that even under duress, mm-hmm. even under torture, even when I'm bound and getting beaten, I will not compromise my my professional integrity. No matter how much she hits you. I'm doing it for you. It's all about the community. Well, yeah. pro- that was
2: a great awesome. <laughs> And it's kind of sexy too. You're like, oh, that's fun. <laughs> it's part of the play. But no, it's true. You shouldn't be. Able, you shouldn't change your like moral compass just because you're having sex with somebody. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, that's,
2: that's funny. But she can totally torture you with it, and that's fun too.
0: And she did, and it was, and no regrets. No regrets. <laughs> so you said you've seen Andy Garcia
1: naked. <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? Yeah, we want to know about him. <laughs> he, was, he was. He was not naked. He was in uh, his underwear. Okay. Um. In a In a previous life, I was a, a aspiring filmmaker mm-hmm. and entertainment journalist. And I talked my way onto the set of an Andy Garcia movie, Mm -hmm. um, to get an interview with the director. And, uh, I was, I was the loser in, in LA without a car. Mm -hmm. So I had to take a bus to the set and like taking a bus in LA is really not the way to get around. Yeah, And, um, so it's like five o'clock in the morning. We're like, I think we're in Silver Lake and I didn't have a ride back to my hotel. Yeah. And so I asked, uh, one of the, uh, I think it was the associate producer, like, "Hey, can can someone give me a ride?" And he says, "Oh yeah, I'll give you a ride back to your hotel. No problem. Just wait in that trailer for me." I was like, "Okay, sure." He didn't tell me it was Andy Garcia's trailer.
2: Oh, oh wow! So
1: I'm sitting in this trailer waiting for my ride. Andy Garcia like walks right past me. He starts taking all of his clothes off. <laughs> Did he see? And him? He gets. I I think it took him a while to notice someone was in there because he had had a, like a long day of shooting. Yeah. And at one point, he's, <laughs> he's standing there just in his like tidy whiteies. And he looks at me and he goes, David? And I go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He goes, would you excuse me? And I'm like, yeah. yes, Mr. Garcia. And I like fly out of there. Oh, yes. Because it was oh, kind God. of like, I'm, I'm sitting there like, is Andy Garcia taking his clothes off in front of me? Yeah. And Does I don't notice? know what to do. Do I just leave? Do I say do, something? Would it
2: be rude for you to just up and leave? Because it's like, why did he not like no, my body? It's Like oh, maybe he's on. putting on a show. You,
0: and, and, you never know.
1: And and now at at you know forty four years old, I would have just left. But yeah. I was like in yeah. my early twenties. Oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, you know, maybe a deer in yeah. headlights in that exactly, moment. Exactly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I love it. Oh, well, I'm done weird. with my questions. Do you have any others, babe?
0: Uh yeah, I'm sure. Like uh, you said you um coach people on kink as a part yes. of your relationship. How do you coach somebody on kink? Like what does that generally
1: involve? Well I mean I don't coach like, you know, I have uh friends in the kink community who like coach on like the the nuts and bolts, mm-hmm. like how to flog someone. How to flog someone. How somebody. to tie someone, you know, yeah. rope bondage. I do it more from a theory perspective mm-hmm. um, so I have my uh, a workshop I teach called macho submission mm-hmm. which is because a lot of classes that you'll see at um, I, this is getting better over the over the last 20 years but, you know, a lot of classes that you see at uh, BDSM conventions are from the perspective of the top. It's mm-hmm. like how yeah. to do this, how to do that, how to tie some up. I hear how to a plug lot of someone. people
2: want a good top. <laughs> so can you clarify
1: real quick for our audience? What's the top? What's the bottom? Oh, oh so yeah. the the top is the person doing the thing, mm-hmm. and typically, typically, and the bottom is the person who is being acted upon. Okay, mm-hmm. um, they're receiving, and often, yep. but not always, you know, the top is the dominant and the bottom is the submissive. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of education was from the por- perspective of the top or the dominant because mm-hmm. a lot of this stuff is dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, some yeah, of it is like safe. literally playing with fire, literally mm-hmm. playing with oh, Actual fire. So, yes, actual fire. No, don't do fire Actual Fire bad. Yes. No. And so <laughs> it's important to learn this stuff be- so that you don't kill anyone. Yeah. And yeah, and definitely. So, so, so message from David Rafe, everybody, don't kill anybody. Don't kill anybody. <laughs> I and think don't that's forget a good lesson. So it was very weighted toward the top. As a submissive... I try to do some counter-programming and teach BDSM from the perspective of the submissive or the bottom. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I have my macho submission class, and then privately I coach people. It's Oftentimes it's just something as simple as how to get involved. Like mm-hmm. if you're new to the kink community, how do you navigate it? You yeah. know? How do you stay safe? How do you find a good top? How do you, you -hmm. know, integrate yourself into a a new BDSM community?
2: I have a question on this because I have a lot of clients who um, come to me as bottoms but are struggling with the consent piece. Mm -hmm. So a big part of this is that like you're you have these conversations with a bottom and they're supposed to clarify what they're okay with, what Mm -hmm. they're not okay with, set some boundaries. But what I found with some of my bottoms in sessions is that they struggle to to use a safe word. They struggle to say no to things because they want to please the top. Yeah. But then they almost push themselves past their own boundaries um, and, and too far. And make some
0: regret. Yeah. And so on, a lot maybe. of the –
2: I wonder what kind of coaching – have you ever seen that and what kind of coaching do you do to help bottoms with that?
1: I've, I've never – that I can recall coach someone with that specifically, although it's probably come up in Matcha Submission – um and I think part of well I mean part of it is finding a good top. It's like you know yeah. making a movie. Half the work is the casting. Mm-hmm. Um, because good tops can read their bottoms. They're trying and to. Yeah. Because it's it's this very strange dance that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want a safe word. You don't want the scene to end. You don't want the you want to get lost in it. It's yeah, fine. You don't want to. It's like a subspace. I hear your <laughs> your top but right. sometimes you need a safe word to take care of yourself. Right. And a lot of times, a, a good top will read that mm-hmm. and without you having to it. Maybe just by word, how you're reacting yeah, to it. They yeah, they will sort of back off because yeah. you want the scene to last. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you really want to just break someone, I can. you can make someone safe word in 30 seconds. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But that's you don't not but want. But that's you not what's want. fun. It's and exciting wanna, to get lost in it. Yeah, you want to push up to that edge and back mm-hmm. off and go back towards it and make that last as long as possible. Um, but from the perspective of... The bottom, I think it's really important to know your own limits and know your own boundaries and Mm -hmm. know that they can shift and change Yeah, and not tie your self-esteem or your identity as a bottom necessarily to how much you can take all the time because... There's so many moving parts. There's so many variables. Mm -hmm. You know, how much sleep you've had, how much food you've had, you -hmm. know, how much you've had to drink, where you are emotionally. Mm -hmm. You know, you can get the sleeves beaten off you for hours one day. And then two weeks later, it's mm-hmm. like you're butter, and you can't it's take like, it don't for spank me 15 at all. minutes. Yeah, <laughs> and that's okay, mm-hmm. and not competing with other bottoms, which is yeah. something that I've done. Like, How do you compete with another? Well, bottom? Well, it's like if I have like a, hit me, don't hit him. If I have, <laughs> I can do better than you. If I have a top that's a heavy player, yeah, and I've seen them. Play what does that with, mean? Heavy uh, player, heavy player, someone who's really intense, like yeah, really oh. likes to they beat get into it. hard. Yeah, and I've seen them play with bottoms who are heavy players. Uh-huh. And it's like oh, I can take more than he can take or oh, I, I can get <laughs> longer. <laughs> Little than it's competitive almost yeah. a competition. I and got it's it. It's like, okay, I don't know that person's life. I don't know where they are physically. I don't know all the differences between them and me. Yeah. And also you're not when you're tied up and getting beaten You're not the best, you know, arbitrator of how much you're taking versus someone else. You you, you lose track of time. You lose track of... I got beaten for seven hours once.
0: What? And I didn't realize a long
1: time. I got in my car and looked at the clock and I was like, that's impossible. Seven hours. Yeah. (laughs) That
2: was a really intense scene. (laughs) I had no idea that
1: seven hours had passed.
0: Didn't you get hungry and need to like go... Well, yeah. But
1: the
2: bathroom I was, or something?
1: I was, Take a little break. I was on my way to get food when I realized what time it was. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> that's when you got hungry after and seven hours. I just get yeah. beat
2: for seven hours and then uh, I gotta go eat.
1: I'm, I'm at the restaurant and I'm I'm using the bathroom at the restaurant and I'm trying to like lower my pants so I can take a piss uh, and my pants are sticking to my legs. Oh, and that's when I realized I'd been bleeding. Oh no! And again, like I'd felt like warm liquid like trickling down my leg when i was getting beaten yeah but i was so in subspace that i couldn't even process what that meant right so because when
0: you're when you're having the bdsm happening it actually releases endorphins and puts you in kind of a high they
1: call it the
2: subspace you go into another world almost and and
1: that's why you're not you're not objective right in those moments which is a why you shouldn't try to compete with other bottoms because you yeah. mm-hmm. often you're not really conscious of exactly what's happening to you. Mm-hmm. It's why it's good to have a good top. Yeah, someone mm-hmm. that knows that you and knows your you. limits. Well yeah. one
2: thing I want to reiterate that you said earlier, because this is actually for vanillas too, is that the context can change. I see a lot of my vanilla couples really struggling to like talk about boundaries in this way where it's like, you know what, I'm comfortable with us um uh, doing maybe anal this time but I wasn't I'm not comfortable the next time it just didn't mm-hmm. I wasn't up for it I'm not interested <laughs> or like even if it's sex toys I feel like they need to under, there's this under. there's this belief that they have that like once I've done something exactly. I can never take it off exactly. the table yeah. and that's just not true sex is about um Where you're at in that moment and what that means to you, so that like if you want to do certain things in this situation, you can, but you can also say no to the things in this situation as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what I meant when I was telling the the gentleman in that story. You know, consent can be renegotiated at any yeah, time, absolutely, because we don't have whether it's sex or BDSM or polyamory or swinging or whatever. These things don't exist in a vacuum; like they're yeah. part of the rest mm-hmm. of our lives. You know. Uh, you're you know you're gonna lose jobs and get new jobs and people you love are going to get sick and people you love are going to die. Yeah. And there's all these, you know stresses in life mm-hmm. that, whether we're really conscious of it or not, are going to impact how we feel physically and mentally and emotionally and sexually, and things are going to change. and that mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they'll necessarily change permanently, yeah, but they can change temporarily and just because you consented to something when, Things were great and everything mm. was moving smoothly. Does it mean mm-hmm. you're obligated to continue to do that when other life factors change how you feel or how you react? I think that's the most important so, lesson. Go yeah. on, Josh. So, speaking of other life factors, uh, you—I was on your
0: Facebook page and I saw that you were recently a widower. Yes. So, how long ago was that? Uh, my wife died uh, seven months ago. Okay. Oh, and hard. how has that affected your? Has that affected your sex life, your work life at all? I'm wondering how people function after such After a big losing something
2: life so change like that
1: it's 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 difficult um and so when you're a sex educator when you're like a traveling sex educator you have this strange nebulous relationship with a large number of people mm-hmm. and there are certain uh events that i hit every year yeah and so it's this weird thing where I'm looking at a crowd of people, I don't know how many of these people know me, I don't know how many of these people follow me on social media, mm-hmm. I don't know how many of these people saw my name in a catalog and just said, oh, I'll check that out. Yeah. And so, you know, I was in uh, Portland, Oregon, and a total stranger came up to me and said, you know, I'm really sorry about your wife. Right. And it kind of threw me for a loop because I wasn't expecting it. Yeah. And so, and you know this year I, I went back to teaching and on the road and it's like you know every spot i hit this is the first time i'm hitting it since my mm. wife passed away yeah. and when i teach like especially my polyamory class i talk a lot about my wife mm-hmm. and it was super emotional yeah to you know to be teaching the same material but from this point of view of having just lost my partner of you know five and a half years who. Yeah. A lot of what I learned about polyamory I learned from my wife yeah and so Mm -hmm. it was it was rough you know I had some some tough moments but also you know having total strangers who follow me on social media and feel like they know me and feel like they knew my wife it was really comforting and really beautiful you know yeah Um, Yeah. to see that love coming yeah I mean it was it was it was you know it's, it's a blessing and a curse I was teaching in Chicago and it was the first time uh, I was walking around the city of Chicago Yeah. and it was the first time I felt truly anonymous mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I was away from the dungeon space that had hired me to teach. I was away from St. Louis mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, like I'm very confident that no one in this city knows I'm a widow. Yeah. I can just be like you can a, just be you. a regular You're just person. there. You're just a guy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been complicated, yeah, and and I don't have. Cause it's
0: hard when somebody brings it up, then you have to read, yeah you have think, to think about, about, it about it and talk and about it. And I
1: don't have a compass for it. Like I've lost a few people, I've lost a few intimate partners, yeah. um, but you know, never someone that I had the relationship with that I had with my wife. So it's right. just really uncharted territory, mm-hmm. and it's been a while. At at forty four years old, I. You know, kind of felt like, yeah, I covered a lot of ground. You know, problems arise, but I've been through it before. Yeah, yeah. And this was something like, oh, this is a really big problem That's that I've events. never been through. Yeah, more yeah more. I couldn't imagine losing
0: my wife. So yeah. my condolences to you. Thank
1: you. Yeah. So. Um,
0: one other topic that I wanted to bring up was the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. I see you post about that on Facebook. I follow you on there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one second. Let me pop also this up.
2: Josh is making sure we're good there. We're good.
0: We get, we can record whenever. It's okay. Th- we're under an hour. Okay, so good. so in the Civil Rights Movement in the 1960s, they fought for equal rights and voting, school integration, and so many other goals, and they achieved a lot of those goals. Mm-hmm. Right now, the Black Lives Matter Movement's more about equal treatment in the policing and mm-hmm. the criminal justice system mm-hmm. at large. Um, what do you see as the goal of the Black Lives Matter Movement? I know the goal is equal rights when it comes to those things, but what would you change systematically to ensure equal treatment when it comes to policing
1: and the Mm -hmm. prison system
2: that's a pretty tall order (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) save the world go i'll I'll tell you the i'll tell you the the first thing i would change is when someone dies in police custody Mm -hmm. it triggers an independent investigation oh yeah yeah um there was ooh, um, I've 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 ingested so many facts about this over the over the years that I might transpose some, but I believe it was in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, a young white man was executed at point blank range by a police officer. Uh, the police officer pointed the gun at his head, pulled the trigger, and the gun misfired. And he pulled the gun a second time and killed him. And his uh, the young man's father won like a multi million dollar lawsuit against yeah. the state, and used all of that money and i think the next 10 years of his life um getting a law passed that when someone dies in police custody it triggers an independent investigation mm-hmm. in that state because he did the research and it had been like i think like 120 years since a police officer had been indicted for oh, wow. shouldn't happen here. so for you know over a century it was you know and and again i could be like transposing some numbers no, here that's okay. but for you know Decades upon decades, it was by default legal for the police to kill you under just yeah, by any and, circumstance. It, and it still
0: feels like that. Like I, I saw a video; it was tragic to watch, of uh, a police raid, and it was one of those probably like just oh, I think they have drugs, that's why they're coming in, and they kick the door down, and the guy goes like this. It's a young black man. He puts his hands up like this and pulls back, and the police officer shoots him. Right. This is the only. So if you can't, you, if you're listening to the podcast, I'm putting my hands up in front of my face saying, it's please the only way to don't say shoot. Peace. It's like, I am like, surrendering, I hands. don't mean any harm. And they just shot him. It was really hard to watch. And that police officer didn't go to prison. No. He didn't get punished. I think he may have resigned, but if I had gone in there and shot that man, I would have been indicted. I would have been convicted of murder because that was murder. And I don't understand how there's a double standard and I understand policing, it's a tough job. We actually have a family member who's trying to go into the police academy. And there are very good police officers out there. But when something like that happens, it just feels like they said, oh, it was a threatening gesture to put it's your like, hands up. It's like, an atrocity. It, that's it, what it it's is. terrible. And I, I don't, like I, like I was saying, like how do you change that? It's like independent. I think that's a good, a good step is independent. But I think legalizing all vices is a big one, too because i think a lot of times things were like cannabis marijuana it was illegalized because mm-hmm. they didn't like the jazz clubs and the right. mexicans right. who were using it and they were like we want a reason to arrest them and yeah. mess with them i mean
1: drug drug prohibition is basically a means of controlling people of color yeah yeah and yeah. and there's a lawyer i forget his name i wish i could cite the quote but he says that you know every year he tells his first year law students i think you know the first week of class mm-hmm. Do not support a do not support a law that you would not be able to that you would not uh, justify killing to enforce right and he says that all of his students kind of give him pushback on that and he says well okay who enforces the law the police the police have guns the police will kill you. They will kill so, you for, cannabis, for having you know. drugs. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, for anything. I mean, I really, mean, when you think about it, I mean, you for, could be just walking for, down the street. Yeah, for jaywalking, for uh, failing to signal a, a lane change, for yeah. you know, speeding. People get pulled over for, you know, minor infractions. necessarily then. killing you for that reason. Mm-hmm. But you know, that begins the interaction that could lead to your death right. in a matter of minutes. You know, right. the
2: truth is, I think that the only legal laws that should be there should be for protecting us from each other because yeah. like from harming others that's but why not like from
0: harming our own selves i mean yeah. like if what you they want call new cons-
1: drugs, consensual crimes yeah right yeah like right.
2: yeah i mean you can harm yourself not that i want people to die because obviously i'm also a, i'm also a mental health worker so i'm encouraging people not to kill themselves yeah, i'm in kill- a job so, where i'm trying to help people So everybody
0: knows uh, angela says don't kill yourself
2: <laughs> that's the math take-home message but the point is that Like, the laws are supposed to protect us from hurting each other, Mm -hmm. not protect us from doing a vice. I feel like that's when it gets into, like, behavior control.
0: And and people say this all the time when we talk about legalization of drugs, of any drugs. They say, oh, that'll mean more people will do them. It'll make it more dangerous. But uh, I think it was Portugal legalized all drugs. Uh And they made it so that 100%, any drug, cannabis, heroin, cocaine, anything. And what they found is that the numbers dropped. Because they took all the money, mm-hmm. the scientists who studied it and told them to do it. They said, take all the money that you were spending on drug enforcement and spend it on rehabilitation yeah, treatment. and treatment. And the way they do that is getting those people back into society. Because a lot of times they're depressed, isolated. They feel like they're isolated from society in some way. Yeah. And that is the actual way of doing it. And it mm-hmm. it does the opposite effect. Everybody thinks, oh, drugs are illegal. I'm sorry, if you want to go do heroin, you can do it now. Yeah. Like people think all of a sudden it's legal, you're gonna do it. No. If somebody's doing heroin, they're doing it now.
2: Yeah, and this just makes it safer. Same, you know?
0: same thing with something like prostitution. Like if somebody's gonna do it, they're gonna do it. Legalizing yeah. is not gonna change yeah. that. I don't you know? I don't think
1: what's stopping someone from doing heroin is the law. No. You know, if you have the desire to do it, you're going to do it. And yeah. if you're the type of person who Doing heroin is anathema to you. It's not like, oh, it's legal now. Oh, I'm going to go oh, shoot up. Oh, what a great day. Yeah. And they, I actually
0: find uh, in some countries they have like clean injection sites for heroin users. I think it's in somewhere in Norwegian, nor- mm-hmm. or, northwestern Europe, where they said, okay, heroin users, you can come here. You get medical grade heroin. You can come here, get a regular dose. It's a controlled dose. They know the yeah, syringes are clean. They can protect them from clean overdose needles, or yeah. hurting themselves yeah. or sharing needles and, and getting HIV. And on top of it, there's psychiatrists there. So they can actually help them with other things. And those people end up committing less crimes. They end up having better jobs and better lives. And yeah. Yeah. So we got a little off topic. We're well, talking about drugs. Well, I think drugs, it's a good time
2: to wrap up too. I think we've covered a lot. But
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, David, we just wanted to thank you for being here. Is there yeah. anything you wanted to plug before we end the show? Because you can plug whatever you want. <laughs> um,
1: well, if you want to uh, keep up with me, you can go to uh D-A-V-I-D-W-R-A-I-T-H. Uh, if you want to catch up with Sex Positive St. Louis, it's uh, sexstl.com. Mm-hmm. And both websites will have links to uh, my, you know, my website has links to all my social media. Yep. And Sex Positive St. Louis, uh, sexstl.com has links to all of um our social media and basically if you google uh, sex positive st louis you'll find us and i'm david wraith or planet wraith on pretty much all social media platforms yeah we're gonna
0: put those links in the description for the podcast so if anybody wants to check them out they'll Mm -hmm. be there
2: and then of course if you need therapy com to connect with me
0: yeah and i'm josh (laughs) hi
2: (laughs) thank you for joining us everyone. thanks for joining
0: us and have a good night everybody bye bye thanks for being here Oh. It was really That's awesome to no, meet you. was cool, yeah. Oh, he's trying to <laughs> shake. Oh. Shake your <laughs> what, hand. Hey,
2: sorry. what time is it?